Well, thanks for being with us today. We're continuing the series for the summer called Extraordinary Jesus. And this weekend, we're talking about the fact that Extraordinary Jesus helps us change. All right, anybody need some change in life? Ten of us, good. All right, so... <laughs> Uh, you know, you can have change is hard. Uh, comedians have fun with change. Uh, one said the human body is in constant change the minute we're born. It's in a constant state of decay. We're all like Ford Escorts, just falling apart. <laughs> no offense to your Ford Escort owners, but once you've had 50 birthdays and more, you get that joke. So anyways, um, how many gorillas does it take to change a light bulb? Gorillas. Just one. But it takes a boatload of light bulbs. <laughs> It takes, a, it takes a boatload of light bulbs. Get it? They're dad jokes. What can I say? All right, just humor me. Last one. How many resume writers does it take to change a light bulb? Only one. Single-handedly manage the successful upgrade and deployment of a new environmental illumination system with zero cost overruns and zero safety incidents, increasing workplace safety and productivity. And if you have gotten a job lately, you get that joke. If you don't, Ask someone who did, all right? So anyways, I, I know when it ain't working, I'm going to quit that, okay? So forget it. Look up your own jokes about change, all right? <laughs> trying to, I'm trying to get a little sugar with the medicine going down here. Um, if you have the CLC app, you can follow along with us. In fact, you're going to want to download the app if today's message impacts you because my recommendation will be to go back over the message. The points are there, the verses are there, and reread that and let it soak in some more, all right? Um, but the first point is that change can be difficult. And let me just kind of read for you some of the research. You don't really need uh, researchers to validate this to you. But first of all, what makes a person change? People engage in behaviors that serve their purpose. So what you do, there's a reason for it, good or bad. There are explanations for your behavior. And the capacity for change grows in the presence of six vital aspects. First of all, motivation. You need to want to change, all right? You say, I don't want this. I want to see it different. Second, support. And one of the greatest aspects of support is other people. Change is hardest in a lonely vacuum by yourself. Third, determination. Change is not easy. You have to keep at it and stay persistent. And then consistency, similar determination. If you want to change on Sunday, you got to want to change on Tuesday and stay out on Friday and again a week from Sunday. And so you have to have consistency to it. And then self-awareness. Having some insight into yourself and your behaviors or your emotions and motivations is key. We'll, we'll dig a little deeper into that. And then self-compassion. Because change is a process, because it's not easy, you're not going to be perfect at it all at once. And so you need to give yourself some grace that you're going to be kind of success and failure, success and failure as you move forward. Summarize, people can change when they're self-aware, receive support, and become intentional about, intentional about behaving differently. But change takes time and it is often challenging. So let's kind of work through a couple of questions. And the first one is, can people change their attitudes? And I got about this far in Saturday night's message last night, and I started watching certain people glad that certain other people were here to hear it. You know, like, yeah, they need it, all right? Um, would you just repeat after me, this is for me, not them? Okay. So changing your attitude. Your attitude is possible to change. It may be difficult in some cases if you don't explore the root cause of your current attitudes. Attitude is defined as a relatively enduring and general evaluation of an object, of a person, a group, an issue, 
or a concept. It's this enduring set of responses and, and sort of demeanor to that. It's possible to change your attitude when you understand how it is formed and how it impacts your life. So all of a sudden you're going to realize, well, we're, we're, this isn't just a skipping through the Rose Garden church service here. We're going to do a little bit of a, a, a gentle, deeper dive. Sometimes, though, attitude is linked to emotional pain or hurtful past experiences. You may not be aware of this, uh, and there may be certain situations that you may have a reaction that can trigger uh, things from an event or an activity in your past that flames that attitude up again. And uh, people who experience this sort of a difficulty want to change. And as we look at changing attitudes, what about changing habits? Because they often go together. Now, just to, to start ourselves off on the right foot, how many of you have some good habits? Okay, we all got some, okay? On the count of three, I want you to say one of your good habits. Ready? Think about it. Okay, one, two, three, riding my bike. Good. All right, let's have a little moment of honesty. How many of us have some bad habits? Okay, on the count of three, think about it. Don't say it. <laughs> okay, I'm with you. All right, on the count of three, think about one of your bad habits. What is it? Yeah, okay. So we've all got those habits. We want to see those change. Can people change their habits? Yes, you can. Uh, both negative and positive can change. I find it's real easy to sustain negative habits. Amen? I mean, they just, I'm natural at it. I'm good at bad habits. Positive habits take constant, diligent reinforcement. All right, but both can be changed. Um, habits are behavior that you've repeated so often, they become automatic. For instance, um, I have been driving down the same driveway to go to work for 40 years. I will confess to you, there are many times I pull in my parking space, I'm like, I'm here. You know, you don't remember turning at the Little York Road, you don't remember what it, it just it just becomes a habit. There's lots of things in our life that are kind of habit like that, and, and as, as long as they're helpful or productive, that's good. Uh, some habits may require you to explore their root cause. And now we're looking at especially the, the undesirable habits. For example, if a habit is associated with anxiety, you may want to work at reducing anxiety first. Every time I get nervous, I... Mm. Every time I'm around them, I... Bad habit. Every time I'm in this situation, bad habit. So if there's this bad habit that keeps coming up, you may ask yourself, do a deep dive in, okay, what is it that triggers that response? And how do I deal with that, the trigger to then minimize how often the bad response happens? Before attempting to change what you think is a bad habit, it's important to understand why you do it. So hopefully sometime today, this week, you'll, you'll spend a little reflection moment on just, okay, why do I do those things? And then can people change their hurtful behavior? Um, yes, you can. Uh, this uh, sociologist or psychologist here talks about lying, cheating, dismissing, controlling, other bad habits, and we can add lots, of that, lots to that list. He said, personality development isn't linear and change isn't either. It's not just here I am and there I am. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. Behaviors often begin as survival or coping mechanisms in childhood. And a recent study shows that positive relationships like friendship and family can increase the chance for someone to change those behaviors that we might have learned a long time ago. 
One uh, psychiatrist said, no one is born acting or behaving a particular way. Behavior is learned, so it can also be unlearned. So what you do, you learn it. You know, you come out of the womb, not prepackaged all these behaviors. You learn those behaviors. You learn attitudes and emotions and responses and all that. So if you learned it over time, you can unlearn or learn different dimensions of it. And uh, already some of us are making connections to our early, early life. All of us imitate our early home life. Good ways and bad. We tend to imitate our parents. Good ways and bad. And if that parent wasn't there, we, we still have some kind of adaptation to that lack of a parent. But all of us tend to imitate it, like it or not. And, and so when there are good things, is yay. When they're not so good, okay, what do we do about that? And so I want to kind of ask you to personalize where we are already. And some of you have already gone way down that path mentally with your own life. But if, if you would fill in the blank, I would like to stop blank. Okay, so think of a bad habit you have, okay, big or small, and fill in the blank in your mind. I would like to stop, mm, okay. How many of you have a, mm, you, you came up with one, okay. I know I did. It's really weird. I'm preaching, I'm asking you to, and I'm, I'm having those things in my head while I'm preaching it, okay. So realize this. You learned how to, mm. so whatever you just said, I want to learn to stop that. You learned how to, so you can learn how to not do. Got it? Stay with me. Can people change their personality traits? Absolutely, yes, you can. Personality traits are your characteristic patterns of behavior, of thoughts, and emotions. Well, I can't change how I feel. You can't necessarily change what emotion hits you, but you can change what you do with it after that. You can't necessarily change the thought that pops into your mind, but then you can decide, what do I do with that thought? You, you have a, a thought and a behavior. They kind of go together. You can change that. It takes intentionality, and I believe it takes the help of the Holy Spirit who wants to be very involved in that as Christ has called us. For example, personality traits like Persistence, generosity, and honesty, they exist on a continuum. So don't all or nothing it, all right? So if I am a generous person or I'm not a generous person, I'm on the stingy end, how can I become more in that direction? Uh, if I'm on the impatient, reactive end, how can I become more, more calm and, and persevering? So, so it's a matter of, okay, can I move in that right direction? They identified five core personality traits and they are extroversion, agreeableness, openness, conscientiousness, and interesting enough, they call it neuroticism, a personality that's characterized by instability, anxiety, or aggression, or fear. And so can I move on that continuum? Absolutely. Uh, and especially with Christ's help. Now I'm reading the crowd. Uh, it's awkward right now. Okay. Can you feel it? All right. Uh, you came to church just to kind of feel good. Now he's getting all my feelings and kind of messing things up. Um, all of us, well, maybe not. I have attempted change in the past and failed. Anybody else done that? Okay. And so depending on the area, um, there are some areas of my personality or behavior, attitudes, whatever, that I, I tried to change back whenever, I didn't succeed at it, so I kind of just learned to live with it. 
Because when I get my hopes up and then it doesn't change, I get heart sick. The Bible says that in Proverbs 13, 12, that hope deferred makes the heart sick. And so you can only try to change and not change so often, so long, you finally go, oh, forget it. And so I want to invite you instead today to, to maybe re-engage with that whole idea. And part of the reason is because we're talking about extraordinary Jesus and the next point in the app basically says that Jesus specializes in change. Can I hear a hallelujah? hallelujah. What's he going to do to help you stop drinking black coffee? Or why? That, was, that was not a very... Mo- okay, I would like to change, right? That, Jesus specializes in helping you do that. Okay, so can I hear one more time? Jesus specializes in change. All right, there we go. So now, let's look at that. For instance, John chapter 1, verse 40. Early, just starting his ministry, he's calling his disciples. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He found his own brother, Simon. So Andrew goes to Simon and said to him, we have found the Messiah, which translated means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. Andrew brings his brother Peter to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Not a big deal unless you realize what a big deal that is. So Jesus meets you and says, well, I know your name is this. I'm going to call you this. And if you understand the meaning of the words, it's even more important, more significant. So I went out, uh, if you're coming up the Y, the driveway on the Y, to the left, there's a bunch of cattails. Well, there's one less reed out there because that's where this guy came from. He says to him that uh, you are Simon, the son of John. You'll be called Cephas. Simon means a reed or means listener. Kind of means that Every little thing you hear can just bend you every which way. That's Simon. And he, sa- and he says, I'm going to call you the rock. Now, the actual word is boulder, but it wasn't practical for me to get a boulder in here, right? So <laughs> this is change. When you met Jesus... If it could have been a conversation, what would he have said to you? Well, I know your name is, your emotional nickname, your behavioral nickname, your attitude, personality nickname is, but I'm going to make you this. Jesus specializes in change. All right. So let's go a little further. It's important to understand that change is a process. Say it out loud. Change is a process. Tell your neighbor, tell somebody, change is a process. So let's, let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. And we, we get more out of it when we dig into the original language it was written in, in the Koine Greek uh, because there's nuances to the words there. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things passed away. And the original language, this word is, this is nuanced. It's the old things pass away and continue to pass away. The old new things come and continue to become new. So when I accept Christ, how many of you have become a new creature in Christ? You're a Christian, raise your hand. 
Okay, how many of you have things you used to do before you were a Christian and you don't do those that much anymore? Okay, how many of you since you became a Christian, you became new in Christ, there are new things you do that weren't part of your behavior before you knew Christ. Let me see your hand. Okay, so that process is happening. But how many of you, since you became a Christian, still sometimes do the old things? Can I see all of our honest hands? It's a process. I wish it was a miraculous Boom, one-time shot. Lord, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Amen, boom, I'm a Christian. Boom, I'm totally different. If that's you, tell me. I'll sit down, you can preach. <laughs> but check your neighbor first to make sure that's true from their perspective. <laughs> Look at how John talks about the struggle. I mean, uh, Paul does in Romans chapter 7. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. Well, that's true. For the willing is present in me, but the doing of the good is not. For the good that I want, I do not do, but I practice the very evil that I do not want. He goes on to say, wretched man that I am, who will save me from the body of this death? But he goes on a little further. Next chapter of that same book, he says, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This verse also written by Paul in a different, a different uh, environment, different audience. I've memorized it. I'm confident of this very thing. He who began a good work in you will continue to perfect it. And I add that tense from the Greek until the day of Christ Jesus. So he began a work in me way back more than half a century ago and he's still working on me. I'm not there yet. So I know I might annoy you or get on your nerves. Just give me time. You give God time with me. It's a process. And, and then in, in Philippians chapter three, I, I think I read this last weekend, but it bears repeating. He says, not that I have already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so I may lay hold of that for which I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I don't regard myself as having laid hold of it, perfection yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind, reaching forward what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call in, of God in Christ Jesus. Two important things there, say forgetting, say forgetting, and say pressing on. That is essential in the process of transformation. And it's helpful to understand theologically that you were saved, when you come to Christ, you were saved in a position and to a process. The Bible says that when we come to Christ, we are justified. Justification means God looks at me just as if I never sinned. Boom. When I accept Christ, I am made perfect in Him. However imperfect I'm not, let's like say, let's say I'm just a drawing here. I've done this before in illustration. And I'm like, I'm like maybe knee deep in, in got my act together. The rest of it, He sees me complete, filled up with His grace. So He sees me sanctified. He sees me set apart, cleansed, and holy. Boom. In an instant, in a position. Boom. Right there. And then he invites me to the process of becoming a greater reality reflection of what my position is. So I'm saved to a position, but I'm also saved into a process. Now, when you speak of that process, 
I guess this must be where we accept Christ. I could come back to this point on the stage. So, okay. So when I come to Christ, it, you know, basically I, I, I repent and I do this about faith. And when I come to Christ, you know, I learn that there's a new way to live and a new way to talk, a new way to think, a new way to respond, a new way to love. And, and what I find is when I'm in this process of coming like to Christ, it is not a straight line. It's like three steps forward and I'm doing really good. And then it's a step or two back. And then it's three steps forward. I'm doing really good. And then it's a step or two back. Never have I experienced in my Christian walk, and I haven't seen in anybody else, no offense, that you come to Christ and it is just this. It's not a straight line. It's a process. And I've found we have an adversary all right, and the devil is the accuser of the brethren. He's really good at accusing. I've found he's fairly silent when I'm in these modes, except for how long do you think this will last? But as soon as I start doing this, there's this, oh, and you call yourself a Christian. Oh, he goes again. Well, yeah, we'll see. And you, and you think you're, you're a pastor of a church. How he accuses you, he accuses me. He is the accuser. And every time I'm starting to go back, he will pummel me. Can I hear an Amen. Because he knows that if you keep in this process, by golly, you're going to look more and more like Jesus the longer you're in it. Tragic how many people he has successfully gotten to quit, give up, stay stuck, and not experience the incredible transformation that Jesus wanted to walk with you on. That this very thing, he who began a good work and he will perfect it. So let's talk about some change actions that you can take. If you have a Bible or Bible device, turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4. It's going to be on the screen, but I like reading out of a Bible. We'll put it on screen for your convenience, but I hope you don't just become dependent on that. Um, I prefer Bibles printed on paper. But I'm a baby boomer. You know me, kill the tree. <laughs> so, sorry. <laughs> I stay in the office all the time. I like a, can I have a paper copy of that? <laughs> Ephesians 4.20. Some of all this junk in their life and it, that could be. And he says, but you do, not, you do not learn Christ in this way. If indeed you have heard him and have been taught in him, just as truth is in Jesus, that in reference to your former manner of life, you lay aside the old self. Say lay aside. Lay aside. Three important things in this passage which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of deceit, and that you be renewed, say be renewed, in the spirit of your mind, and put on, say put on, the new self, which is in the likeness of God, has been created in righteousness and holiness of the truth. Lay aside, be renewed, and put on. And there's loads of good behaviors he talks about after that. Lay aside. What do you need to lay aside why don't you ask yourself, Holy Spirit, speak to me, show me, open my eyes, open my heart to what I need to lay aside. What do you need to lay aside in the way you think? Some of you, I think it, therefore it is. I think it, but sometimes it's wrong. What new thought patterns do you need to, to ask God to give you? What feelings do you need to lay aside? Well, it's my feelings. Yeah, but you have control over what you do with them or what they do with you. What, what memories do you need to lay aside? What habits do you need to lay aside? 
Are you tired enough of that that you're willing to let go of it, stop defending it, and, and lay it down? What narrative do you need to lay aside? Because some of us are so stuck with every time I encounter them or it or that or me, I tell myself, and it does not lead me to transformation and change. You know what I'm talking about. So real briefly, I'm going to pause and just whisper a prayer, Lord, show me what I need to lay aside. Any baggage I'm carrying, that I'm practicing, that you want me to leave behind. And then, be renewed. In the spirit of your mind, important qualifier. Sounds a lot like what Paul also wrote to uh, the church in Rome in chapter 12, verse 2. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. That world means be turned, that word means be turned into a different creature. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Lord, what do you need to change up here? And what you'll find is that when it comes to changing behavior, the, the next one there, put on the new self. All right? When you put on your, your new self, what does your new self look like? When you accepted Christ, asked for forgiveness of your sins, you received eternal life, Holy Spirit within you, what do you suppose when Jesus said, absolutely, I'm your Lord and Savior, boom, follow me. Who do you suppose Jesus dreamed you to become? And what does that new him or her look like? And that new self, what habits do you suppose she had? What attitudes do you suppose he has? What behavior, what traits? And no wonder Paul says transformation comes by changing up here first because, you know, how many of you have a bad habit or did something wrong ever? Bad, unhealthy, dysfunction, whatever, okay? Do you know where that started? You thought about it first. Oh, yeah, you did. Even if it's a nanosecond. Last night, before I enjoyed huge scoops of a lemon raspberry sundae at JD's, I thought about it. I rationalized. I don't need that much sugar, but it is so good. Well, that side won. But I thought about it first. Going to the more shady shameful, regrettable stuff we do, we still thought about it. Even if it was just that fast, and boom. So, laying aside, renewing in my mind, and putting on the new self. One of the things I would suggest you do for homework is just have some spiritual daydreams of the person that Jesus is dreaming you to be and what that will be like when I have her attitudes his behaviors, his habits, that person's, when I'm that person. How cool will that be? Dream about it. And four helpful steps in this. Learned this a long time ago, and, and I remember it's really impacting ever since. First of all, uh, repent. Say repent. Yes. Renounce. Yes. Break. break. Bless. To repent is to feel so sorrowful, sorrow-stricken about my past action as to be disposed to change. As one of my mentors used to say, repentance 
is being sorry enough to want to change. Repentance is not just, I'm sorry for my sins, please forgive me, and I keep going. No, repentance implies sorrow, regret, and a desire for change. Notice that's the desire for change. How many of you ever wanted to change a sinful behavior and you kept doing it? I guarantee you the accusation Satan brought to you, oh, you call yourself a Christian? Oh, you repent of that? How does God forgive that? Because you keep doing it. da 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 right? It's being sorry enough to want to change. So my repentance is, God, I'm sorry for doing this. I, I, this doesn't glorify me. And I ask you to forgive me and I ask you to help me change. Renouncing goes a step further. And uh, you can look, look it up for yourself, just dictionary definition. To voluntarily put aside, to give up, here's the renouncement, by formal declaration. So whatever it is that you got that you need to, I need to repent of this and turn from this. Not only am I sorry, now I renounce that from being part of my life. I renounce that from, I don't want it anymore in my behavior, in my thoughts, my attitudes, my whatever. I, I want that gone. It has, no more, it has no more permission to be part of my life. I mean, when I first prayed that, it's been over 25 years ago, this little voice in my head goes, are you sure? Like none? Totally gone? You never want that again? Yeah, I renounce it from my life. So you repent from it, you renounce it and then break in Jesus' name. The Bible, you know, we talk about Jesus as a chain breaker. Who the Son sets free is free indeed. I break the hold this has on me. I break this habit, this addiction. I break this cycle. I break this fill in the blank, all right? I repent of it. I renounce it. I don't want it. I break it and then bless. Pray a prayer of blessing over yourself that looks like who you will be, how you will think, feel, act, whatever it is you're dealing with, how you will be when you are way down the road. So maybe you inherited a, a heritage of sexual immorality and unfaithfulness in your marriage, in your, in your family. And, and you have a parent who broke their marriage by that. And like father, like son or whatever, and so unfaithfulness, man, you struggle with sexual morality. And so I repent of that. I ask you to help me change that. I renounce that from my life. And now I, I pray that you will, you will give me the ability to break the bondage of that. I want to I move forward. And I pray a blessing on me of sexual purity. I pray a blessing on me of faithfulness. I pray a blessing on me of... And so begin to pray the other end of that continuum of how you want God how you believe God wants you to be and feel. And, and so when you pray that, again, it starts to help you have in your own mind a vision of why Jesus died on the cross for you. To get you to heaven, yes, but he also wants you to become as much a version of him in you as possible. And he wants to bless you forward in that. Repent, renounce, break, and bless. And that is all best done together. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. I'm asking you to read this out loud with me with a sense of confidence. Therefore, encourage one another just as you also are doing. Let's read it again like we were paying attention. <laughs> Therefore, just as you also are doing. I believe that people who are struggling with uh, three steps forward, two steps back, whatever, and everything I'm preaching about, I believe one of the places we long to get to or should be is, I got to get to church. 
I got to get with other Christians. I got to get in my small group. I got to get where I got to get with so and so because they will encourage me. They will build me up and they will help me stay in this process and move forward. And the next thought says plus 45 more. I kind of threw the team because I turned my notes in to administrative staff and then to the weekend staff and they're making slides and putting them in the the app. And they're like, what's the plus 45 more? Are there 45 more verses you want to put in here? I'm like, no. That first Thessalonians is what I call a one one another passage. Encourage one another, build up one another. And there are 45 other one another passages in the New Testament. Love one another, forgive one another, admonish one another, strengthen one another. The one another's here are meant to be part of this process. Change by myself is super hard, but I have encouragement from one another and, and understanding from one another and patience and, and encouragement. It makes a difference. Because I don't know about you, I got things in my life God's not done changing yet. And spoiler alert, I've been following him as a Christian for over 50 years. He's still not done. Philippians 1.6, it still applies. How about you? And the only person who can really stop the change from happening in your life, it's not the devil. It's not whoever the jerk is or jerk ass is in your life. It's you. The person in your mirror can throw up their hands, can bail, can blame whatever, and pull out of that process, it's you. Otherwise, I'm confident this very thing, he who began a good work will continue it. He's faithful. His side of the equation never lets down. He calls us. Change isn't easy. And many of us have gotten heartsick because we tried to change and didn't get there. And as I was in previous service, I was in the back, Worship is going on in the stadium seats and I'm watching and I'm thinking, wow, this is, for some of you, this is a big day. You didn't even know it coming to church. You thought we were just going to come and sing some songs and feel good and leave. But all of a sudden, this has gotten really up close and personal. And maybe change you gave up on or just excused or blamed. Holy Spirit saying, no, it's you. It's this. It's now. It's today. It's not out of a place of condemnation or, no, it's out of a place of love. It's out of a place of, hey, keep the process, keep going. So you took three steps back. So you took 10 steps back. Then do an about face, head in the right direction and take a step forward. I'm going to help you. But you've got to decide that. And so I'm asking you to stand together with me if you would as we close. And as we stand, I'm asking you to bow your head. I'm asking you a simple question that can feel real serious. And I'm not talking about minor tweaks. But are there things in your life, whether it's your attitude, your behavior, your thoughts, emotional patterns, whatever, reactions, and you need to change it. You need God's help. And you need to recommit yourself to God. I need you to help me change. Whatever awareness I need, whatever encouragement I need, whatever insight and strength I need, your prayer is, God, okay, there it is. Please help me change. If your heart's starting to beat a little fast, like he's talking to you, it's probably you. 
I want to, and I know God's speaking to a lot of people because I've been through two services now and we barely had the room. But if you're here today and you're serious, yes, I want that change in my life. God, I want to recommit myself to that. If that's you, I want us to pray for you. But I want you to step out. There is something about stepping out and saying, okay, this is for real. I'm in. So wherever you are across this floor, without anything else, the, the team said, you want a closing song? No, just, just give me a little underscore. God's going to speak to hearts. If you're here and you're like, God, I must, I need you to help me change. I'm serious. Step out from where you are all across this room and come and fill up this front area. And we're going to pray for you. And I believe that today, August 20, 2023, is going to be a, a, a milestone in your life where God starts a whole new season of transformation. If you're in the, the same seats, we'll wait. Just come on down. Make your way to the side and just come. No further ado. If you're debating, you should come. Yeah, you can pray about somewhere else, but there's just something about stepping out and kind of being honest with yourself. Okay, Lord, I need it. Come, we'll wait. For some of you, it's going to be the greatest prayer moment in your life. Keep coming this way so people can get in. Keep coming over. We'll wait a few moments longer. Keep coming this way. There's still people coming. I can help but think Jesus is probably smiling right now. Good. She's stepping out. Good. He's saying yes. Maybe you say, we were, we were stuck there for a while, but I'm glad, I'm glad we're getting back to where I want you to be. If you're in the auditorium, would you just quietly begin to pray for these that are here? You can extend a hand, or but just pray for God to, to minister to them. And if you're here, let me just suggest a little bit of a prayer direction. And there's something powerful about the words we say. So I'm going to ask you to whisper this kind of a prayer response to God. First of all, just quietly whisper to Him why you're here. God, I, I came forward because. What was the fill in the blank for you? Lord, I, I need your help with. Tell Him. Whisper it out loud. Quiet. I don't care if we say it a hundred times. And then tell Him you need His help. I need you to help me and be as specific as you can with what you know he needs to help you do or change. Help me with my feelings. You see my reactions. You see the insecurity. You see the anger. You see the, the addiction. You see, Lord, help me. You see the decisions I always make. And share with them in transparency. As I say this, what's the first things that come to your mind? And Lord, I struggle with the emotions of this because emotionally it makes me feel blank. Tell them the feelings that are, accompany this. Lord, I feel frustrated. I feel guilty. I feel ashamed. I pray you help me. And then would you just quietly whisper to him that I trust you in this. I trust you. Just tell him. I trust you to help me. I trust you're not going to leave me. You're not going to give up. I trust you'll stay faithful. Just tell them that. I trust you. 
and thank Him for loving you just as you are. Go ahead. Thank you, just as I am. But thank Him that He, that he has more for you and further for you to go. You're not going to leave me here, God. I thank you. And so, Lord, I pray, your Holy Spirit, you're our comforter. I pray you comfort those who came forward in the midst of great turmoil and strain. Be our comforter. You teach us, give us insight into ourself, into other people, into our past. Lord, give us the ability to let go of what was. Give us the strength and motivation to press on, to reach forward to what's ahead. And give us a vision, a sense of confidence and anticipation of who you are shaping us into. Give us a dream for that. Give us grace, Lord, because we're not going to always succeed for our failures to get up and trust you and repent and keep on going. And I pray you'd surround us with believers that'll be encouragers for us. I thank you, Lord, that you call us to this journey, not in condemnation, but in love and hope. And I'm so glad that he who began a good work in us will be faithful to complete it as we are faithful to stay in it until you return or you call us home. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Now, those of you who came forward, first of all, let's just give God an ovation of praise for what he's going to do. So, to those of you who came forward, if you linger for just another 60 seconds, I want to kind of give you some P.S. thoughts before you leave. Um, to those of you who are here, you can listen in or you can leave. Um, we did start Coffee in the Courtyard between first and second service. So next week, come a little early, enjoy the courtyard and some fellowship. But God bless you. We'll see you Wednesday night. Now, to those of you that are here, um, first of all, now that you've come forward and prayed, the devil says, well, leave her alone. <laughs> no, all right. Um, by Wednesday, you'll feel like, what was that about? There'll be temptation, there'll be whatever in, in, the, in the struggle, okay? So expect that. It's three steps forward, a step or two back. Three steps forward, a step or two back, okay? So stay in that. Okay, I encourage you to go back. If you don't have the app, download it and just set a personal study time to walk through the message and read the verses again out loud and just sit and listen. And just let God stir you and speak to you because he'll take you places that you wouldn't go otherwise. And then this is best done where you pull other people in the process. We've got some prayer team members, I think, that'll kind of slip down here. Uh, if you want to pray with somebody, I think there might be some over here. If you come around the front of the altars here. So they're here after service to pray with you if you'd like. Uh, people find that helpful. Um, depending on what your struggle is, if, you're, if you've got hurts in your past that are really can't get away from, if you've got habits and addictions you can't get away from, or just hang-ups, uh, that's what Celebrate Recovery is all about. Monday nights at 6 o'clock. There's dinner in the cafe and about 100 people that are struggling with stuff just like you. Just show up next tomorrow night at 6. Also, there, there's that small group expo down there. Tie into a class or a study or whatever just to be with other Christians who are going through that together. But more than anything, ask God to give you a little bit of a daydream vision for the changed you. Okay? What would it be like when I don't do blank and I do blank? And begin to focus on that and pray about that. And when you mess up, 
Let that be a reminder to you to think about, yeah, but I'm becoming this. And trust God. He's in it. All right. God bless you. Have an amazing week. Thanks for being here.